Good morning. It is a snowy Friday morning here in Boulder, Colorado. My name is Lily, and we are coming to you from the Made Life Studios here. Um, I can't help you podcast, and I'm sitting here with Lauren. Hey, everyone. And breaking news, we are flipping the script here. M. Night Shyamalan Twist, we are the captains. We are interviewing Danny. Mr. Danny Conroy, welcome to your own podcast. I'm happy to be a guest on your show today. <laughs> That's Lily right. And Lauren. It's a double L, double L inquisitive mode. I'm ready for you. Just for the record, I, they have not told me what they're going to be asking me. This is true. So I already actually. took over as a host right there, didn't I? I'll stop. It's okay. It's okay. You know what? We, uh, we're open to a very fluid conversation here, but we just thought that it would be great to give listeners sort of a little bit of background on you. You've had some um, really exciting and fun guests on and been able to have conversations with them, but we realized we don't really know the man behind the microphone. So, Danny... Why don't you start by just telling people who might not know what it is that you do? What, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? I just, I just breathe <laughs> and uh, I am consciousness. That's about it. Namaste. Yeah. No. Um, so, yeah. So I am the co-founder of AIM House, which is celebrating 20 years this month. We're very excited about that this year, actually. That's awesome. And um, I also am the founder and director of the Collegiate Recovery Center at the University of Colorado, which I'm very, very proud of. We have a very cool, cool community down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, let's see, what else? Um, and then, you know, I participate. What I do on a regular basis is kind of oversee the whole sort of vision of AIM House and the mm-hmm. direction that we're going. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my time these days is spent, spent mentoring other staff members, you know, yeah. but like at the beginning, it was just May and I and our then toddler son, Quinlan, you know, ripping around and diaper. And we, we, we just, you know, started it kind of out of our house, really, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so it's been quite an evolution. But that's what I do. I oversee those things. And basically, I see myself as a social entrepreneur. Um, I like where a lot of people see problems. I see programs, I think, or, you know, where a lot of people see problems, May and I kind of collectively tend to go, well, wouldn't it be really cool if you did this? Um, Mm -hmm. we've been that way since we start, you know, since we met each other, which was like, you know, when did we meet each other in kindergarten? 102 years ago. ago. So like we've known each other 102 years. It's a long time, you know. That's a very auspicious number as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you know, we just that's that's sort of how we view the world. We still do. We're constantly, probably two or three times a day, we'll have different ideas for businesses and different types of things. It's just kind of how we look at the world, you know. And so we like to create stuff that ideally helps people, you know. I think early, early on in my career, I realized that two things. One, I didn't really want to work for other people. That was pretty clear to me. Even though I had some great people I was working for, I'm just I like to be able to call my own shots and be able to s- fulfill my own vision, which fortunately, for whatever reason, I've been gifted with a lot of that in this lifetime. And then it takes working with people to be able to implement that. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of overall what I what I do. Awesome. And I'm a father. I mean, that takes up a lot of time, you know, I'm right. father of four and very active with each of them. I was at the gym with my son, you know, shooting baskets at 6 a.m., you know, and it's wow. we spend a lot of time together as a family and we all pretty close tight-knit group who, you know, crazy like every other family, but we love each other a lot, spend a lot of time together. That's great. That's awesome. So a lot of good stuff in there. Let's dive into AIM House. Mm -hmm. Um, 
can you, so again, for listeners who might not know, what is AIM House and what is a young adult transitional living program? Like if you are sitting next to someone on an airplane Mm -hmm. and they're like, hey man, like what do you do? And you're like, oh, I started this thing called AIM House. Well, first of all, when I sit next to people on an airplane and ask me what I do, I usually tell them I'm a car mechanic. Um, because cause, cause if I don't, if I want any piece on that flight, they're going to tell me about a nephew or a cousin or somebody. Totally. Right. Right. No, right. but, but honestly, I, I've had a lot of good conversations on airplanes. Basically what all aim house really is, is, you know, at the, at the time that we started the really, other than two other programs, um, echo Springs that was started by my friend, Doug Kim Brown, who's a, who's a really visionary guy himself and Janie Longnecker's benchmark program. Um, and then there was the original North Star program that the Crowls had started. But besides those three programs, which were all in relatively isolated areas compared to Boulder, um, there really wasn't anything quite like this. Um, and so, you know, today there's hundreds, right? But the, the idea for us anyway was really a couple of, a couple of things. One, there, we, we worked in primary treatment. We saw people get better in therapeutic high schools. We saw people get better in treatment programs, you know, primary treatment programs, worked at Sierra Tucson, which my uncle started and um, was very proud to work there, got a great training coming up. And, you know, basically when you sequester people and you have a good therapeutic program, people are relatively willing to be there or in adolescent cases, eventually they're willing to be there because it's their only way out. You know, basically that's great. You can contain that environment. You can manage an environment. And to an extent, people can all quote unquote behave, right? But the great challenge, especially for for adolescents and young adults, is when you exit those programs and the structure loosens, you know, how do you put into place a different way of being? And how do you, how do you transform yourself from identified patient, you know, troublemaker or low achiever or whatever that label is, and be able to make something into yourself um, because I, I, I just fundamentally believe that, see, a lot of people will look at kids when they're in treatment and they'll think, you know, um, there's something wrong with them. They make bad choices or a bad apple, blah, blah, blah. Like we have all these cliches for that kind of a thing for whatever reason. And I think part of it has to do with my own struggles when I was younger. I just don't see people that way. Right. Like I look at them and I'm like, why are you wearing all these costumes? Like, that is so not you. Like, that is not who you are. I can see it. Like, I can see in your eyes that, you know, you're capable of, of being a functioning, you know, human being in this world who's doing some things that are of joy to you and in relationship with other people. You are completely capable of that if you can make that choice, right? right. So that's, that's kind of it. Like, fundamentally, that's how we look at things. I've said it a million times. I keep saying it. You know, there is nothing wrong with you. And that's, I absolutely believe that. I believe that, you know, we adapt behaviors uh, that make perfect sense when you go back. When you, when you do a chain analysis, and that's kind of what therapy is for. Like you go back and you look at your life and the choices you've made, you know. Um, and, you know, it, it's pretty easy to trace like why we take on some maladaptive coping patterns. It happens all the time. But there's actually great wisdom in that. You know, rather than and see, see the difference there. The difference is there's great wisdom in maladaptive coping mechanisms. They might have kept you alive. They might have kept you from, you know, being ostracized. They might have kept you from being abused in the family system. They might have managed, you know, so so there's great wisdom in it. So that's a very different outlook than than, you know, your poor choices and, you know, your diagnosis puts you in a position where you have certain challenges that young man, young woman, you're going to have to compromise and get a job in a cubicle and just button it up, you know, that kind of a thing. So, yeah, that's, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I love it, because I think what you're speaking to is, um, 
Well, it's it's a philosophy on um, mental health and wellness, and specifically for adolescents and young adults that I personally really believe in as well. Because I think what it what it does is it takes out a lot of the stigma associated with some of the struggles that young people, especially in our society, are dealing with now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, speaking to Aim House specifically, and I'd love to get more of your thoughts on this. Is like I think that's one of the strengths of the program um, is that it really does create this sort of lab or this petri dish where young adults can take, you know, whatever foundation they've gained from a primary treatment experience and then apply that to the the real world, mm-hmm. you know, as much mm-hmm. as you can call Boulder, Colorado, the yeah. real world, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, you get to come here and to practice these skills. And so I'd love to hear you talk about like why Boulder, because you're yeah. right, it is, it was Definitely when you guys started and even still today, I mean, being located in Boulder is kind of novel for a lot of reasons. Right, right. Less so now. I think there's a lot of programs in cities now. But when we when we started, that was true, you know, Mm -hmm. to 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 put a program like this on University Hill in Boulder, Colorado, um, you know, there were far more people saying how crazy that was than saying that's a great idea, you know, but. It, basically, you know, you're going from one small bubble in treatment to a larger bubble called Boulder. That's the way I kind of look at it. And Boulder definitely is a bubble. There's a lot of safety within the community. It's a pretty easy place to walk around. Crime is low. Jobs are plentiful. You've got a great university. Uh, you have a huge party community. That's that's there as well. Now weed is legal. That was fun. You know, when weed got legal, answering that question why Boulder became even more difficult. But it was the same answer, which is... You are not going to learn how to live life sequestered in a situation. And that just, it doesn't work that way. The way that we learn to live life is that we extend ourselves and we make mistakes and we take risks and we do something different. Now, if you believe that fundamentally people are damaged and they can't do that, then no, you would not start a program in a place like this. You'd start it on a ranch where you can control the environment and get the outcomes exactly the way that you want them to until, of course, they go home and don't have any coping skills to deal with the first time somebody offers them weed, you know? So it's it's basically the kind of thing where, you know, I wanted people to learn how to live in the world, you know? We call it the real world, we call it not. Boulder's a nice microcosm on, on a lot of ways, um, and the opportunities are endless, you know? You have Naropa University, which we've had people participate in Naropa. We've had lots of, you know, people go to the University of Colorado. Um, we have, since May started Made Life a few years ago, you know, we have like incredible internship opportunities and creative accelerator opportunities. And so, you know, our, our sort of thought was like, what if we eliminated all the excuses for people to be successful? What if we basically said this, the cap is where you're going to put your own cap. Your cap is not going to be where I put it. You know, it's mm-hmm. going to be where you put it. And we will give you every opportunity to be successful. I can't do it for you. I can't help you. Hi. Hey. <laughs> that's why you guys named the show. I can't help you. It's a <laughs> pleasure to be on it. But that's, that's, that's the thing. I mean, I'm really clear. Like, you can only do so much. But what you can do is create the best opportunity possible for people to make their own choices. You can help them see that they actually have a blank canvas and they get to choose the colors. They get to color it in. Um, Or another metaphor, this is your life, right? You know, I had a great mentor of mine, Mel Wasserman, who said a long time ago, he's like, do not judge me from one page on my book of life. Do not judge me from one chapter on my book of life. Please look at the entire thing. Well, the good news for young adults especially is that as time goes on in this lifetime, you'll see that, you know, because hopefully there's a few kids who are sitting at Aim House right now listening to this. I really hope that they are. And I hope that they're going, I hate it and the bathroom sucks and blah, 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 blah. Because what 
what the thing is, is that 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 energy, that sort of condensed energy of being an aim house and then having, you know, we have rules. We got a lot of rules and stuff when people first come in and we loosen them over time. But the tension that's created in that experience, to me, what what's the invitation is you want to you want to live your life in programs or you want to do something different. Let this be the last program that you ever go to. You utilize the resources to set yourself free. But guess what? You're accountable. You're absolutely accountable to what those results are. Because um, half the battle for us is getting people to realize that they actually can author their own life. They are the ones writing their book of life. Not their parents, not their abusers, not the people who caused them trauma. They don't get to. They, they get to be part of a chapter. They get to be part of a couple of pages. You get to write the book. You get to write what the future is going to look like. And that's the message I try to send, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and that comes from... Honestly, from my own personal experience, right? Like, um, you know, I am not, I'm, I'm shocked at how much people never ask me, like, about my education or any of that kind of stuff. So, you know, because I love it because I've got, like, eight jokes, you know, like, loaded. Like, like, but, like, basically, like, you know, I am, like, your classic, your absolutely classic underachieving kid, right? Mm. Um, I went to, you know... I went to to Catholic school my first three years, four years of of, of schooling. Absolutely hated it. I was a left. I was lefty, so I drew oh. with my left hands. I had nuns. This is back in the early seventies. Nuns actually tied my left hand behind me so that I would learn to write with my right because they kind of believed there was something wrong with left-handers at that time. Yeah. Um, so. So that was my introduction. That plus, you know, like whatever rigidity, you know, no disrespecting me, but that Catholic education can bring to people. So I, that was my thing, and wearing uniforms and stuff. And I just started doing things like not wearing the uniform. I was like, I'm not gonna. I wore a Blackhawks jersey, you know, instead of the uniform, <laughs> mm-hmm. and just showed up at school. And I, I look back on those things, and initially it was like, why was it so crazy? I, of course, I was gonna get in trouble, and these things are gonna happen. But really, it was like a, it was an early sign that like I am not gonna conform to your bullshit. It's not going to happen. Like, I'm not going to do that. And May's the same way, you know? So she's, she's, she's a little nicer about it and breaks less rules than I did growing up. But, but in reality, we both have had this kind of viewpoint, like, I ain't going to swallow everything y'all are feeding me. It's just not going to sound like us from the South. But it's, but it's, really, but it's true. Like, if, I ain't going to put down those grits. But, like, <laughs> but you know, it's like, it's like you get to discern. You get to take the right. pieces you like and leave the rest. So anyway, going through all that, you know, and then I, you know, I really struggled. You know, I really struggled. Parents divorced in third grade, you know, plopped down in California. I'm not going to tell you the whole story. But basically, like, I was just an underachieving kid. They, they were, you know, they put me on meds at eight for, for ADD. It made me blink like a freak and, I, you know, lost friends and, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so you go through all these kinds of experiences and you go, you know, it, it, it ripens you. You know, if I, look at, if I look at the whole experience, it's like, what's going to become of a kid like that? You know, what's going to become of a kid like that that's experienced intense amount of abuse? Like, I really did. I had, yeah. There was a lot of sexual abuse that, that I was, you know, subjected to. Um, and I speak openly about these things because I know a lot. There's still this huge stigma. And I know that people are afraid to express and say, you know, this is what's going on or, or whatever. So, so I want to stand in, in, in the ways that I can. And, and, and hopefully what Aim House is about is that, guess what, Misfits? There's a place for you, too. And you get to author this. You get to do it. But, but the trade-off is, and make no mistake about it, the trade-off is you choose and you're responsible, right? Mm. You are responsible for your life. I'm not. Your parents aren't. The schools aren't. Your therapist isn't. You are. And if, and if the path of therapeutic programming and different stuff can lead to that, to a sense of empowerment of that, um, then it's pretty amazing what us underachievers can actually do. 
Nobody, there is nobody in sixth grade that would have predicted that I would have had any level of success in my life, much less in high school, much less when, I mean, I had like a 2.2 GPA, guys. I'm not proud of it, but like I barely got through. I either got an A or an F. There was no in between. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and then I went to college. I couldn't even get into college. I tried to apply to Chico State, which is like the easiest place to get in. I think they pay people to go there now. <laughs> and, and like I, got, I didn't get in. I got rejected. But my girlfriend was going there, so I was, it wasn't May. She wouldn't date me until I got my shit together. And, uh, and then, but, but, you know, but I, I, you know, I went to this place called Butte, Butte Community College, which is the only famous part of that is that uh, Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback, played there. For, uh, yeah. But so, I mean, I'm trying to, like, make it sound like it's something. <clears throat> but, you know, then he went to Berkeley and I went to treatment. But that's a whole. <laughs> but that's a whole different story. But, you know, the, the thing is, so, so I'm, like, I'm like sitting here today as a junior college dropout, you know? Yeah. Junior college dropout who then entered into a, a, you know, a treatment sort of, you know, continuum very similar to what Aim House kids go through now. Went to treatment, you know, went to live at this place called Progress Valley. I joke it was neither Progress nor a Valley, but that's a whole other thing. And, you know, it's just, you know, when I lived and but I started to learn certain things in places like that. Like you get up in the morning and you make your bed and you go to work and you, you know, you're responsible. If you're 10 minutes late, like I was to the podcast today, like there's a consequence for that, you know? And, and so, um, anyway, it's, it's just, I am an aim house kid. Essentially I am an aim house kid. And I, I was really, really lucky to have great mentors along the way, a few people, and it wasn't a lot, but there were a few people who basically lent me their eyes, mm-hmm. you know, they lent me their eyes occasionally to say, I see something in you. I see that you actually have potential. I don't believe that you're just some druggy, flunky, you know, kid. Um, you're articulate. You have skills. But guess what? You're going to have to work for them, and you're going to have to work towards some things. And if you do that, a vision will develop for yourself. And I was given permission for that, you know, by, by some pretty cool people along the way. And I had a couple of really cool role models for that as well. That's awesome. Yeah, I think. What was the question again? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I think one of the things that I keep thinking is like you're talking about your experience as being this classic, you know, quote unquote, underachiever. And then I'm thinking about, you know, the Aim House profile that I'm certainly very familiar with myself. And it's, I feel like, you know, it's a community of both underachievers and yeah. overachievers. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And then yeah. what you really come to find out when you sit down with any one of these young people is that really they're the same people. 100%. Um, yeah. And, you know, it just, yeah. it manifests in different, different ways. Yeah. Um, Cause I certainly was, uh, you know, was the kid in sixth grade where it was like, oh, like, you know, she is going to go places. Yeah, you were and, so good. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. right, yeah. too good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and then there I was at, you know, I, I didn't get to go to Progress Valley. I went to a program called Aim House. Right, right. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I think that, that it's just, it's so important for, um, for anyone who finds themselves in a program like mm-hmm. Aim House mm-hmm. to hear the message of like, there's really nothing wrong with you. And right. so whether you are underachieving or overachieving, like there's nothing that's inherently wrong with you. Right. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what it's like now as a parent and as a parent to young adults and young adults who are pretty overachieving and I think have had, you know, their own sort of, you know, struggles of figuring out what am I going to do and how am I going to fit in, how that's changed your philosophy, how that's maybe complicated things. Like, what's that like? Oh, thanks for asking. Um, Well, first and foremost, uh, I was an expert parent until I was one. You know, it's really easy to give advice until until I was in there. And and so... um, 
you know, um, I'm a I'm a good dad. You know, I, I show up. I'm present. That was where the bar was sent for me, set for me, really. You know, if I could just hang in there and be in relationship and not leave the home, um, I that was all I was really hoping for. Like, just hang in there, don't leave. You know, because in my situation, that's kind of what it looked like, and and for various reasons. Um, my kids are really like we have a chaotic family. Like anybody who comes over to our place, they're like they don't get it. They're like, well, wait a minute, things don't seem particularly super organized and. You know, I think they're kind of like, how do these people pull this off and, and do this? We, for better or worse, have chosen to really honor our kids' individuality. And so it's not, it's not in a way that we're saying you're individual, you're special, like it's you against the world type of a thing. It's more like each of them are really different. What I've learned is like with each of our four children, each are, their personalities are completely different. And that was news to me because I kind of always thought if you're raised in a similar situation, you'll have really very similar values. And I think our kids have similar values, but, you know, but they manifest in really different ways. Like Grace, you know, my daughter, you know, she's looking at schools right now and, you know, like great GPA and high test scores and way more like way more academic traditional path than either her mom or myself, like really into it, looking at multiple different schools and a whole bunch of different stuff, really successful, good student, really bright kid. Um, and that's her path. And she's kind of looking at that now. And she's, she's going to be in college next year at this time. Um, Quinlan, who's 20, Quinlan's like, uh, Quinlan's like, a, he's, he was born really wise. He's like one of these kids that's like uh, catching up to his age. And so even at a very young age, he had this contemplative uh, way of being um, that was different. Um, and, and so he liked to play alone more than a lot of other kids. He had sort of his own thing going on. And he still does. And so he's, he's, uh, he's on a path right now as a young adult where he's starting a business uh, called Fitment. You guys should check it out. It's really, really cool. He's going to be launching this spring. Um, he's, he's an entrepreneur at heart. Um, you know, probably gets that from his mom. I, he, the, the, he sees things and he wants to do them. College wasn't a traditional path for him. And as a parent, you know, we, we had a choice in there. There was part of me when he wasn't choosing college where I was like, uh-oh, you know. Um, but in reality, for, probably because of May more than me, we honored his own path. And we've been honoring and supporting his own path, which has looked a lot like jiu-jitsu and traveling to Thailand and doing a lot of different visiting friends in, in Europe, spending this time in college exploring different things. Where He's not in college, but he's exploring things in life. And he said a great thing to me the other day. He said, you know, uh, he said, it's so funny how people will say, you know, yeah, take this time and figure out who you are. And he's like, why do you need to take any time to figure out who you are? You already are who you are. And I thought, man, what a, what a cool thing to say. He's like, he didn't, he didn't understand it. He's like, see, everybody asks him because he's 20. Where are you going to school? What are you doing? Yeah. And he's basically like, I'm being. And I'm being and doing this T-shirt thing. And I'm doing these other things and exploring a different path. So I guess the long-winded way of saying it is, is that our kids are all different. There's sort of dominant paradigms that they can fall into. And I think because we as parents get nervous that they're not going to have enough direction, they won't be employable and everything, we sometimes squeeze that and we squeeze them into making choices that aren't them. And that begins a pattern that's not very healthy in my opinion, right? But it's scary. It's scary and it's more anxiety producing to like let your kid find their path. It's a very different, different way of going. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. And also because they might listen to it. Ronan, he's 10. And <laughs> gosh, he's just, Ronan's just a live wire. He's awesome. He's shadowing a new school today, which is kind of cool. 
I guess they don't have classes or something. I don't know. And and it's right up his alley. He loves he loves everything about school, but the school part. And um, you know, and uh, and then Devlin, you know, he's just this kid who's focused on basketball right now. He's fourteen. He's really into basketball. He's really really kind. He's just a very sweet sweet person. And um, and and he also is fourteen and thinks I'm an idiot. And that's okay. I've learned that that's all right. That's classic. <laughs> that's classic. There's, there's always a, there's a lot to think about. Um, but what I find really interesting is, I think other things that you spoke to, I think one of the more powerful things that's been told to me is nothing's wrong with you. Um, because it's, I, I guess kind of, I guess kind of coming back to um, labels and how doc, I, I guess I could speak to my, I could speak only for myself where, um, Doctors have just put labels and labels and labels on me, and then mm. that just becomes a defining part. And that's, and it's, and how does that really affect the child? Mm. It's, it ends up going through my path, which mm-hmm. is treatment. Mm-hmm. Well, doctors and yeah. doctors and therapists mm-hmm. and treatment and specialists, and, special yeah. specialists, mm-hmm. and please fix my child. Mm-hmm. Sure, um, and things like that. Um, and so I will disclose that I was in this program. However. Um, I am a little older, so for me, um, speaking to a microcosm, um, what I found interesting was that there were a lot of people who recognized that it was a microcosm, too, at at the same time, which I found pretty cool, Um, but also to the point where people would be like, oh, these rules, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I found that to be very, though I wasn't, I wasn't too surprised. Um, I'm just going to stop musing because I feel like I'm just, it's just kind of masturbation at this point, to be honest. Um, but I guess something that I was kind of curious about, kind of harkening back to, what's it like working with May? Just like as a, as a business partner and then just also just like kind of how that happens and works. I actually have a script for this that I hand to him so let me grab that. Okay, cool. <laughs> May has a script, guys. Working with May is one of the honors of my life. <laughs> her brightness matches her beauty. No. Um, thank you for the script. I, um, sometimes it's great. Sometimes it sucks. Um mm-hmm. Most of the time, it's great. Like, like uh, what I could say is this: is it's the best way I can say it is, um, we're like duos mm-hmm. in a creative way, like Lennon and McCartney. Like, you know, I mean, I'm not really trying to say we're like Lennon and McCartney. Although, if we you, were, you I'm John have, and she's just... Paul. Uh, <laughs> no, she'd probably be John. But, um, but, but we, you know, the 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 each of us individually is not as strong as the two of us together mm-hmm. for whatever reason in terms of what happens from that place, whether that's parenting. Um, she could not have a kid without me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> she couldn't have a kid by herself. No, I look, uh, we, as far as aim house and all the, it's so intertwined. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a talker, I'm a communicator. So naturally and i'm male but so those those reasons right there i get the attention more often and and even within our liberal community here in boulder 
my words have a different meaning to employees than May's words have to employees. Um, we have institutionalized sexism all over the place. That is just rampant and it's so obvious. And so, so you get a really great viewpoint into that when I'm basically, when I'll see sometimes May will have ideas and, and say the exact same thing that I will say, and then people will jump on board when I say it. I think we've learned to work with that and leverage that and just make that work. But it's kind of bullshit, you know what I mean? So, so it's it, it that's a tough part sometimes. Is that um, and then some of that's just communication styles as well. May's the person who sees things, you know, five to ten years down. She sees things way out there, mm -hmm. and then she and she's a fairy. So she's like a gypsy fairy person that doesn't. <laughs> keep track of time or other things that people do. And it's not because she doesn't want to. It's just because, like, you know, she's flying around. She's a fairy. You know what I mean? They don't wear – you don't see fairies wearing watches. So <laughs> they don't. But but she's a beautiful, beautiful person and has insight and uh, vision. Vision just beyond any human being that I've ever been around. Mm -hmm. So the, 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 the challenge for, for, for the relationship is, like – how you balance those things. Because I have some vision too, and we have ideas and we have crazy things. And so we fought, we fight over stuff sometimes, less and less these days, because we've just got, we've gotten too old and we realize there just isn't enough time. So, so for me, and I think for me too, is like when we started for each other, just saying like, you know, we can't change each other and we actually don't need to. Like, I don't need May to keep track of time the way that I keep track of time in order for me to be okay. That's insane. Why do I need to do that? Like, there's all these other great parts about May. You know, so she doesn't keep track of time. Fine. And I think that's similar with things with me. Like I get off track. I have a temper. You know, I, I'm not an easy person. May could speak to that better, but I'm just not always an easy person to live with. I'm moody. You know, I have a lot of different swings of that. And I'll wake up with like all, I'm buggy in the morning because like I'm, I'm really energized and at my best in the morning. And she's like, please go away. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But it's a great partnership. I mean, we're really, really lucky. You know, we're really, really lucky. I, I, I feel as lucky to be with luckier to be with May today than I ever have, like in the history of our relationship. But what's cool about it is we said this yesterday, we're actually more separate now than we've ever been. We're more individualized now than we've ever been. Because um, for years it was Danny Hyperstan May instead of mm. Danny and May. They're two different people with two different values. And so we can we can disagree these days. That's nice. Mm -hmm. um, and and May speaks up to me a lot more and says stuff that she doesn't like, and it's good because it makes everything better. It makes it makes things better. And mostly, I mean, I say this, and it's like a joke. I say it as a joke, but it's actually true. I'm pretty sure my my ceiling as my own career would be without May in the picture would be being like a Madden video game champion. Like that's probably would have been the pinnacle <laughs> of where I could have gone without her. <laughs> I didn't need her for that Madden. I didn't need her for that. But everything else I've needed her for. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah I am. Um, I love, there's, I think I sent you guys because I found a print of it this summer. I was at like a flea market on the Cape. But you guys have this piece in your bathroom downstairs. Mm. And it's, you know, sort of like a stick figure drawing. And it says, uh, you if know. If you sprinkle while you tinkle, please be neat and wipe the seat. Well, right. It's right oh, below. That. It's right <laughs> below that. But it's, Just kidding. Sorry. I'm it's, sorry. You know, it says, it's two people. And it says, you're the strangest person I've ever met. You're the strangest person I've ever met. And they decided to know each other a very long time. I don't think that's exactly what it is. But that's always been 
just every time I, I think of you, I think of that. And I think that that's just, A, I mean, I think that really speaks to you guys because you do. You think outside the box. I mean, we started off this podcast talking about how you're entrepreneurs and you're constantly just sort of pushing the envelope. Um, but it's also there's something so sweet in that because that's partnership. Um, and that's just people coming together to, to support each other and, and to be in this for a very long time and through thick and thin and starting businesses and raising children. And, and that's that's – that's really great. I think that um, I think that it's really easy to uh, romanticize relationships and say, "Oh, they're so great and it's so easy." But I think you know we should also acknowledge that's a lot of hard work too. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. You gotta keep digging it yourself. You know, if you mm-hmm. want to be in a relationship long term, you got it's it's not about changing your partner. It's about changing yourself. Not even changing yourself. It's just recognizing your own patterns and seeing your own shit. That's that's sort of how I view it because. I don't have any control over the other. Like, May will inspire me through the work that she does. When May's really centered and I'm not, I'm kind of like, well, first, I'm just like, what are you centered for? You you don't know what my game is. That was my first reaction. But then there's this other piece where it's like, oh, oh, cool. She's kind of modeling that right now. Right. Like, there's something going on. And, like, especially as we get older, we don't tend to get as dysregulated from each other's moods, you know? Right. Like, Mm -hmm. when when I was younger, I I could throw the the whole family off really fast. Now they're all like, shut up, Dad. Like, move on. Well, this is actually something that, that I love and I want to share for our listeners is that your kids call you Dan. Yeah. I, yeah. We had, a, <laughs> yeah I, we had a long thing about that last night. I, okay. No, it's cool. It's, right. it's, uh, I don't like it, but it's, it's, uh, my friend Brad Reedy says you got to learn how to lose. So I just have to mm. learn how to lose. Okay. Mm. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. So that's a good lesson. Yeah. Well, pivot. Um, <laughs> pivot. <laughs> Their yeah. friends call me Dan, too, and it's really annoying. They'll come uh, in and be like, hey, Dan. Yeah. 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 It's whatever. Whatever. Yeah. I guess I just have to learn how to embrace. No Mr. Yeah. Conroy? No. A couple of them. Yeah. A couple, oh, of the, yeah. couple of the kids I like more than others call me Mr. Conroy. Well, you, you know, you're talking in there about, you know, getting dysregulated and, and sort of what happens, which um, I think – it's interesting always to know how what what is your routine, right? Like how do you regulate yourself? What do you do? What's your self-care regimen? I think people would be interested in that. I mean, recognizing of course, Danny can't help you. Right. But what do you do to help yourself? Uh okay, so I'll tell you about my best days, okay? My best days look like I wake up and I drink uh Three shots of vodka. No, just kidding. <laughs> wrong decade. Um, shots, I wake shots, up. Shots, I wake shots, up. Shots. No, shots, stop. <laughs> I wake up and uh, and I drink two tablespoons of vinegar, uh, apple vinegar. All right, I've only been doing that a week, but <laughs> I do that. And then I have coffee and I try to take ten to fifteen minutes to just kind of be with my coffee. That's my. I do coffee meditation. Like mm. I'm not a cushion dude. I just sit and drink coffee. We got a little gas fireplace in our house. I'll sort of sit by there and have a little coffee. I make my kids lunches. Um, and we kind of, it's, it's a whole thing just to get the house mobilized to get them out, right? So that, that's what happens. Um, that happens. I exercise and then I go to work. And so um, going to work looks like on some days that's going straight to the university to do stuff at the recovery center. Other days it's to come down here to Made Life and, and have meetings with people, um, working on some other really exciting projects, which are, are still confidential, but I, I can announce them soon. Uh, so, you know, I, my life is full with 
that kind of stuff um, in the work. And then the exercise is huge. I have a Peloton bike. I use that quite mm -hmm. often. Shout out to my boy, Alex Toussaint. Um, what up, fam? What up, fam? <laughs> <laughs> Danny what and up, I fam? may or may not have I'm a I'm going to kick your ass and smile while doing it. <laughs> may or may not um, have a codependent relationship yeah. on the Peloton instructor. But Feel good, look good, do better. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so I do that. Exercise is really key. <clears throat> For me, exercise, diet, and sleep. That's the three pillars of my self-care. If I can stay within a reasonable level of those things, the rest of my self-care comes naturally, i.e. speaking up and saying my feelings or not avoiding conflict or a whole bunch of different patterns that I've had some success in, in particular the last couple of years of really interrupting. Um, but that's it. My self-care looks like that. It's pretty simple. And then the other one is just not, not avoiding. So the last couple of years, like, like people say, what are your drug of choice? Like before, you know, because I'm in recovery, but before it was a lot of different things. Post, uh, when I stopped using it and stuff, it was like, it became avoiding. Like, you know, probably always mm -hmm. was avoiding, but I have this tendency to really avoid conflict. It's really, I really want everybody to love me. I want to be everybody's best friend. I want people to think I'm cool, you know? And so, you know, it's hard to then say to your friends, because, you know, a lot of people who work in emails are my friends. Like, you know, they say, hey, look, you know, um... I have some different feelings and thoughts about the way that this should happen right now. And I want to go in a different direction with it. Or I want to hear what you had to say and like, let's work on a compromise. But I wasn't real capable of having those conversations before. And I wasn't capable of being in that kind of relationship with people because I couldn't handle avoidance. I, I mean, I couldn't handle conflict. So that's the kind of thing. Speaking up, but doing it in a way and then listening too. Like for me, guys like me, listening is as important in self-care probably more than talking. Because I, as you probably tell if you listen to the show before, I can talk. That's what I do. But um, listening comes is much more difficult for me. That's a, that's a huge growth edge for me. Um, I use the ADD excuse, but in reality, it's just a, I'm really self-centered. So I, I, it's difficult for me to get out of myself sometimes, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Who do you like to listen to? Uh, musically? Well, or just in general, yeah. Or? I mean, I was kind of, you know, yeah. you are a music person. I definitely, when I think music, I, yeah. I think you. Oh. Um, so I was curious about music, but also mm -hmm. just in general, who who are your teachers, I guess? That's great. Well, Bruce Tift is probably my single biggest teacher. He was a he's been on the show. He, he's, he, he was just monumental in my life in terms of a pivot, in terms of, and it wasn't anything complicated. It was holding me very, very accountable with a lot of compassion. Um, so he was huge. Um, and he has podcasts. He has a great book called Already Free. I highly recommend it. Um, and let's see, Eckhart Tolle has been a big one. Um, I'm pissed off at the way he's marketing himself. He's not marketing, but the way people are marketing him right now. But, um, but what his message is and, 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 and Power of Now is just a life changer. And, and so is The New Earth. And both of those books are profound. Me and I've been to a workshop with him and you know, he's the real deal. You, you, you can feel the presence there, not in this deity type of a way, but just in a way of, of presence and, and modeling that. Um, so those are big ones for me. I listen to them often. I often fall asleep at night listening to podcasts of, you know, not like books on tape I listen to. Um, uh, Gary V. I've started really listening to Gary V. a lot more, Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, that's like kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, that's sort of in the podcast realm. That's been it. Um, yeah. Oh, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's great. My son got me really into him. I check out his stuff. That's his, he, he's just he's kind of the pinnacle of podcasting, really. Um, 
And then musically, I listen to a lot, a lot of different people. I, I listen to a lot of newer stuff now because I have children, right? Like Grace is really into music. So she turned me on to Rex Orange County yesterday. I don't know if you guys have heard this person. Re, re, not, neither from Orange County nor I think named Rex, but um, <laughs> really, really cool kind of uh, good stuff. Kind of like that Bridges dude. He has like really cool sort of ambient, uh, you know, new soul funk jams is what I like. Um, I'm a big fan, I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. People know that. Um, I saw Springsteen. That's actually an interesting story. People talk about seeing Ed Sullivan on TV. Springsteen talks about that. Seeing like Elvis Presley and like that changed their life. The Beatles talk about that too. There was just a monumental moment where rock and roll came into their living room and they were like, oh my God, I don't have to live this horrible life that's been spelled out for me that's already predestined, right? And that's what rock and roll is, you know? And that's what it's always represented to me. Um, and so I was into it from the beginning. Like, But I saw Springsteen at Red Rocks in 1982. My dad took me. And, uh, and, and I just remember I was 13 years old and I, I watched him perform and I saw Clarence Clements and I was like, and I was just like, so relieved. I was like, wow, I don't have to live a normal life. I might not have to like live some predetermined mm. life. That's what it represented me. It was that huge, you know? Um, and then, you know, over time, I'm, I'm really, I, I love the band. I was in the Grateful Dead and I like jazz and I like singer songwriters, James McMurtry, a whole bunch of different stuff. But, you know, Fish is a mainstay for me, not because I love their songs necessarily. I like Fish songs. I don't love Fish songs. They're not my favorite songwriters in any stretch of the imagination, but they're the best performers live I've ever seen. And the fact that I can go to a show, every single show is different. Um, I'm going to see improvisation and things happen that, that for me, the meaning in that, the connection, I think for other Fish fans too, is that, you know, once you step into the realm of improv and it's in some type of a flow and everybody's dancing and you can feel it, you're part of a moment that's never, ever going to happen again. It's never going to happen again in exactly that same way, right? And that's what I love about Fish. It's not like, no disrespect to the Stones, I'll probably see them this summer. But it's like, I know what I'm going to get. You're going to get Start Me Up, you're going to get Street Fight Man, you're going to get a couple of things. But they're not going to go off. People are going to be excited and people go get drunk, have big parties and have a great time. What I love about Fish is that it's a different show every single time. And it helps take my mind to different places. And, and that, you know, spiritually in particular. So it sounds really weird, but like, that's my church. Like, that's where I go to get filled up and where I get inspired. And all my best ideas aside from the ones that I pretended were mine that were actually May's, have come from um, jams, from being mm -hmm. in the middle of a jam and being present of that at a show. And, you know, for me, as silly as it sounds, it's like I get to visit the Holy Grail and then I come back into the world and I try to implement the things that I've been inspired to do at a show. It's kind of weird, but that's sort of my deal. No, I mean, that that makes a lot of sense, I think. I was in a... Uh, We've been to a show together. You can do yeah, a show with me. Totally. Yeah, totally. I've been, yeah, I've been to fish and I've been to fish with you. And yeah. um, I was in, you know, what I would consider one of my own sort of manifestations of church the other day. I was in a yoga class uh -huh. and uh, we were sort of closing out and standing there um, in, in uh, Samasti Tahi, Hands at Heart Center. Mm -hmm. And the yoga teacher said, just take a moment, take a, you know, take a breath and you can even look around the room. This is the only time that this group of people 
in this moment, in this place, will be sharing space. And there was just something, I mean, I've gone to hundreds, if not thousands of yoga classes in my life, and there was just something so powerful about that, because mm. you're exactly mm. right. This is what's so amazing about human beings and what we're capable of, is like there's just constantly these things that are just so new and that you can't really predetermine or write. And I think somebody who's drawn to work in mental behavioral health has to inherently kind of get jazzed up about that, mm -hmm. like you do, because mm -hmm. I mean, you have families and young adults every single day walking into your program and wild cards, right? Like mm -hmm. you have no idea what to expect, mm -hmm. but this is, this is your work and mm -hmm. this is your life. And yeah. I think that that, you know, is definitely mirrored in the, the jam experience. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. There, there's a baseline, right? Like, um, like in order to be able to improvise and that's kind of my goal. Like that's why I love podcasts. That's why I, I didn't want you guys to give me any questions before I came in. Cause I want it to be pure. I want it to be real. I want it to be in this moment. But in order to improvise well and be able to do that, there's actually a whole bunch of like boring foundational shit that has to happen in order to have that opportunity. And that's another thing music has taught me, right? Is that the best jazz musicians in the world live by sets of rules. Make no mistake about it. There, there are foundational rules to jazz. There's foundational rules to music. Um, which provide the opportunity to spring and improvise because there's a, what I would call a safety. This is the mirror to therapeutic worlds. There's a safety of the structure mm -hmm. that allows you to move beyond that. But without the structure underneath it, it's just chaos. So it's a really fine line. It's, it's you know, earlier in my life, I wanted to try to do the same thing without having a baseline, without having like a foundational experience, without sleeping every night, without, you know, it's just, you can't do it. It becomes not sustainable, you know? So my message to people who are sort of struggling with that and going like, okay, you know, people who just got sober or people who um, are just trying to live life in a different way, initially, it is a little boring. It is a little bit boring because you're kind of re-patterning certain things like eating three times a day, like getting a good night's sleep, like working a d working and doing stuff that's kind of mundane or chores around a house or certain like normal lifey things. Those things really, as silly as they seem, they're setting a foundation for people to be able to spring from and live their life, which to me, that's that's ideally what happens in a good family system is that you have this baseline and then the, the baseline's safe enough that your kids naturally jump out from that. But, you know, if none of my kids move out, I guess I'll be wrong. But I, I, think, <laughs> I, I think eventually that happens. So, yeah. No, I yeah. think that's great. And I think that that can be applied to, like you said, a, a lot of things in life. Um, and if we were to apply that to this podcast. I'm curious to know, because one of the things that I've really enjoyed about working on this project with you over the past couple of months is that it is very free flow. We get in here. Um, there tends to be a lot of people in the room who, you know, don't leave a lot of dead air, meaning lots of talkers and mm -hmm. it's very organic. But um, what do you want to see moving forward as sort of your your structure? If, if there is one for this podcast, what kind of guests you want to come have on the show or I mean Lauren you know sort of the, the kind of things that we were talking about the other day yeah absolutely um because as as you kind of said like the beauty of this podcast is that we have a lot of different interesting people who come on and share different aspects of their stories um there is some kind of connection sometimes there isn't which is really cool actually um but I think one of the things we're trying to figure out is like I'm not sure. Maybe it's a maybe it's a who. <laughs> is it is it a who question? Well, is it a 
What, is it a who? Wh- I, I think it's a sort of what's what's the vision and what can people expect moving forward now that they know a little bit more about you? Yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, I like talking to people, period. But I think other people like to listen to people, listen to conversations that they'd want to be part of. Right. So, you know, um, there's obviously a wheel, but I, there's a lot of people that I think would be really interesting. I've been trying to get my friend Joseph Tanucci to come on. I think he'll be a great guest. I think uh, Nelson Trujillo, who's a cardiologist here in town, will be a really, really great guest. People who have life experience and, and perspectives on things. And I tend, to, I tend to gravitate towards people who are sort of subverting the dominant paradigm, you know, in their, in their own way. Uh, because I, because for me, as both a young person and even today, those are the people who I get inspired from. You know, I don't, no disrespect to anybody. I don't, I don't, it doesn't inspire me necessarily when I see people living, you know, within a box. And, and there's no, there's nothing wrong with that. Honestly, like, I really, really mean that. Cause when people say out of the box, like, I don't know what it's like to be in the, I don't even know where the box is. So sometimes I do, I wish that I did, honestly, cause it's kind of like no man's land sometimes, right? Another fish quote. But anyway, so <laughs> yeah, it's just sort of, it's, it's, I just want to have more interesting people on. I want to see where it takes us and, um, and continue to have conversations with people on a regular basis. And that, and that hopefully, you know, I would love for the podcast to feel like a companion to some people, you know, it's the mm-hmm. kind of thing that you can, you know, you can kind of put on and it's a friendly voice and, and that it's going to be real. It's not going to be a bunch of BS in your ear. And, um, well, some BS in your ear, but not a lot of BS in your ear. And then it's just, you know, a conversation you want to hear, want to be part of in a sense. I like to see it be more interactive over time. I'd love it if, uh, if some of our listeners started to throw in more questions and kind of be part of it yeah. and add some people to it over time. That'd be, that'd be pretty interesting. And celebrities. Yeah, celebrities. That'd like, be cool. Yeah, that'd be fine. You mm-hmm. know? My dream celebrity. My dream celebrity. Well... I mean, you know, if I could pick one person to have... Actually, I used to say Bob Dylan, but Bob is so mean to interviewers that I think I'd probably just be traumatized by the thing. So it probably isn't Bob Dylan anymore. It used to be Springsteen, but I feel like I know Springsteen really well now from his book and from this other stuff. Um, it's still Trey, you know, Trey the yeah. guitarist from Fish. Mm. It's probably Trey. I, I tried. Tr- yeah, I know. I, I tried. Know, I know. And I've actually met him. He's a great guy. Oh, cool. But, you know, not at ni- some not point. Not nice enough. At some point. At some point. <laughs> It's okay. Prove us wrong. Come yeah. on the show. Yeah. Trey, you're welcome Trey. anytime, Trey. Don't don't stay away. I know you want to come on the show. Bring some of that Ben and Jerry's fish food too. Yeah. It's or not the new quite, one. It's ice. It's ice is a new one, isn't it? It's not quite artisanal ice cream, which yeah. Well, it used to be Ben and Jerry's kind of created the artisanal model, it's true. Right? Did, and then yeah. it became sort of corporate, sort of. Mm-hmm. No, That's no, so true. But we no, still like actually Ben and Jerry's first sponsor. If yeah. you wanna, yeah, hit us up. I can't help you. Actually, I hate to say this, but we probably shouldn't be talking about Ben and Jerry's on the show because. Actually, our sponsor is Sweet Cow. Sweet Cow. Oh, we yeah, are sweet so cow. sorry. We haven't sweet talked cow. about it in a while, but uh, Sweet, sweet cow. cow, thank you Make for it. sponsoring the really, show. We always. do more than just cash your checks, Sweet Cow. Yes, we do. We love yes, Sweet we Cow. Do. Yeah. We pay you to, we pay you a lot of money. You know, it's the most popular, in case anybody is wondering, by far the most popular social activity of Aim House Kids, other than like paintball or something like that, right? It's Sweet mm-hmm. Cow. It's Sweet yeah. Cow and Friends, you know? Yeah. yeah. People love ice cream. Amazing. People love ice cream. Yeah, and Sweet it, Cow yeah. is awesome. Sweet, Sweet Cow is awesome. Great. Yeah, it's great. Sweet would, Cow, you're good. We would love to Pro do a collaboration tip. with you. Yeah. Yeah. Breakfast ice cream. Yeah. There you go. There it is. We said it before. I'll say it again. Breakfast ice cream, please. Yeah. Love it. It'd be great. Love we it. want our own flavor called Community Group. <laughs> where we group wonderful different flavors. I love it. Get a little salty, a little sweet. Right. Well, Something a little bit of cervic, maybe. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, Beep. Danny, thank you so much for coming on your own thank, podcast. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. I've enjoyed it very it's much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. You two are great interviewers. It's been fun. So where can people find the I Can't Help You podcast? Well, that's a great question. They can find you at I Can't Help You Pod. On Instagram. Right. And on Twitter at I Can't Help You Pod. You can find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook group, I Can't Help You Pod. If you want to email us with any kind of questions, any kind of concern, please email us at help at icanthelpyou.org. Yes, we are an organization. <laughs> Website coming soon. That's awesome. And, and uh, actually, I'm not hosting, so I'm going to just, I won't close it out. I'll let you guys do that. But I do want to say thanks to Justin. Yes, yes. as always. Thank yes. you to Justin yeah. over Justin. there. Chairman of the boards. Yeah, Lauren, <laughs> May for being in here. We're going to have a May episode soon. Yeah, yeah. May episode. That'll Definitely. But please, if you've enjoyed this content, you want more, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your enemies. Like us. Please validate us. <laughs> please validate us. That's from your ice cream flavor. Tell your parents. Tell your parents. parents to listen. Yeah. I got your back. I'm subliminally getting to your parents, kids. Keep it going. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.